This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 270 with my guest joining me today, Marcy Zaroff. Now, she is a powerhouse. She coined the term eco-fashion back in 1995. She spent several decades driving positive change through business. You might have heard of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which she co-founded uh, many, many years ago now. And she also played a key role in defining the GOTS certification. So if that's not something you've heard before, it's the Global Organic Textile Standard, uh, as well as the world's first fair trade textile certification with Fair Trade USA. So she has definitely been a driver for change. It is literally in her DNA and you can hear that energy as we speak, uh, in today's chat. Um, she also has a fantastic book out called The Eco Renaissance, a lifestyle guide for co-creating a stylish, sexy, sustainable world. And I think what I love about having such a diverse range of guests on the show, for me, it speaks to our diverse listenership in the sense that some of you out there, like me, you really love living in a city. You love uh, the, the connection to the people all around you in that way, theaters, cafes, you know, whatever it is that you love about the city. I really like driving change from the city, from my balcony worm farm, you know, being a part of the change as an urbanite, but a lot of people resonate more with returning to land or moving to land or have grown up on, in regional areas and country areas and the change you're driving is more focused on the soil and biodiversity in terms of uh, being a custodian of a larger space. Uh, and we have everyone in between, right? So what I love here is we get to hear from people who are doing low tox their way, who are pioneering in different ways. And Marcy has certainly been an inspiration with what she's been able to achieve in the past 30 years. So we are going to launch into that chat in just a little minute, but I want to remind you and say a big thank you to our major sponsors, Oz Climate. Uh, you guys know I'm a huge fan of dehumidifiers and f air filters for most homes. I can usually find a reason that people need these appliances. And while I definitely don't like to tell people to buy extra stuff, uh, keeping our indoor air healthy keeps us healthy, which means we can do more for our beautiful planet. And I really genuinely believe, especially with many of the poorly designed houses that we all unfortunately find ourselves living in, initially unbeknownst to us, some of the tweaks that we can make with appliances like air filtration and dehumidification can really make the world a difference. So all year round, you have an extra 10% off their already discounted prices at Oz Climate. That's A-U-S climate.com.au. Enjoy. Uh, by the way, sorry, your code is Lotox Life. Now, uh, we have one more week of the wonderful team at Butcher Crowd who help us make sustainable ethical meat choices if you are a meat eater 
in a way that is delivered to your door. You don't have to shop around to five different places uh, and they do it in a cost effective way. And you actually have a fantastic offer, all new customers for one more week you receive $100 off, uh, no, not $100 off, $100 of extra goodies or $170 of extra goodies, depending on whether you sign up for their small box subscription or their large box subscription. And so for the first three months of your order, you'll actually get a, a very big order at no extra charge, thanks to the freebies that they're adding in there. So your code is LOWTOX. And uh, you can head to their website. There's some fantastic information there about the way they source meat, about the way they source seafood, uh, because they've started adding seafood, uh, specifically wild caught seafood uh, that is sustainable. Um, on their website, very transparent, really amazing small business that is driving change and making it easy for families and couples and people everywhere to uh, join the revolution of if you are eating both plants and animals and fish, that you're doing that in the best way possible for the environment and for the animal welfare in terms of the way that those animals are raised. So those are the two offers this week. I hope you enjoy them. As I said, Oz Climate is all year round as our major sponsor and Butcher Crowd, you have one more week to make the most of it. Now, here is this wonderful conversation with powerhouse entrepreneur and innovator, Marcy Zoroff. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed meeting her and chatting to her and vibing on this incredible energy that she has to continue to create change for our beautiful world. Hello, Marcy. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you. How are you? I am super well. Uh, it is evening for you, morning for me as we record this. Uh, and you're, you live in my favorite city, New York. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I want to talk about that actually, because we're both obviously very conscious people. We live aligned with nature, however, wherever possible. And yet we both love cities. And I was really interested to see why do you, because so many people who reconnect with nature then like go, I've got to get out of here and live in a yurt. Like, so yeah. why do you love Manhattan so much? You know, I think life is about balance, right? And I happen to be a very high energy person. So I thrive in the energy of New York. But then I need to like refuel, reboot, rejuvenate, you know, and I need to get out in nature. I need to shut down. I need to take a walk. I need to be on the water. I'm a total water girl. I grew up in Florida. So, you know, I was always in the ocean. Um, and, you know, I have a house in Costa Rica and I have a house in Pennsylvania, which is in a rural area. So beautiful, beautiful parks and my husband and I love to bike ride and take, you know, go hiking. And, um, but being in the city, I mean, I, I, it's where all the action is, right. And, you know, I'm in the fashion business and it's where the fashion world is really, you know, the heart beat and pulse of fashion. And, you know, so, um, I thrive on that kind of energy and, and it's, a, you know, my, my world is really about balancing, you know, different worlds. It's about bridging, you know, the tree hugger and the fashionista, right? Or or the tribe and the boardroom, right? So it's like it's like business, but it's also, you know, ecology and environment and community and tribe. And I love all that stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Very similar. Um, <laughs> so 
As I opened the page of your book, your dedication was to Horst Reckelbacher. And um, I was so excited to see that name because I had come across his work. I remember when I was a counter girl in retail in one of the cosmetics um, houses and this new brand came. It was the mid-90s in Australia and it was Aveda and it was this she had the most beautiful uniform out of everybody. It was so natural and flowy and lovely and everything just smelled delicious. And I remember being really affected by it. You know, I'd come out of my teenage years wearing impulse cologne sprays and dance class and like hideous fake phthalate <laughs> ridden, um, horrific hormone bending stuff. And, um, and, but I still couldn't clock what the difference was until a few years later when I went on my own journey of discovery of, of what is natural and what is um, hindering our, our health in cosmetics and, and perfumes and that whole industry. And so Horst was, of course, the founder of Aveda, who then uh, sold it on to um, Estee Lauder Group. And what I was excited to see his name pop up, because I had then always followed his work in Intelligent Nutrients when I was in New York once, and I bought his shampoo and conditioner. It was like, oh my gosh, finally a low-tox shampoo and conditioner that actually works. And so I've always had a soft spot for him. And then to see that he was your mentor, uh, a one-of, a uh, really significant person in your development as a person and in business, I'd love to just ask you then uh, how he impacted you. How did you guys meet? And, uh, and what was that friendship like as it evolved? Yeah. So um, when I was actually still living in Florida growing up, and I, I think I was about 15 years old, I met um, another one of my, as I talk about in my book, um, a woman named Surya, and she was a hairdresser. And so, you know, in the, the eighties, when horse was real, I just getting a way to go in, she came across, you know, they one of their first products, clove shampoo. I don't know if you remember way back when. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and she, similar to what you said, she like, you know, I came in to get my hair done and she put it in front of me. She said, smell this. I literally was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. What is this? Choose this is this new brand that I just, you know, some distributor just introduced to me. Read the label. And I read the label and I was like, whoa, this is so awesome. It was like plant-based wisdom, ancient healing traditions, you know, mm-hmm. Ayurvedic philosophy, things that native wisdom, things that I was really inspired by. And I and I just I looked at the product and I had this like aha moment, like this is it. You know, I was a business person. I always, I mean, as wired that way. And so when I read this, saw this, felt this, smelled this, it just resonated on a very deep level. And so I, it parked inside of me, like, oh my God, this company Aveda is like who I want to be when I grow up. And then I went to an environmental conference because I, I was already immersed, which is why my girlfriend, you know, wanted me to smell the product um, and use the product. But I was already immersed in the environmental movement by just on a personal level. It was just an interest I, I sort of stumbled upon. And so I was going to conferences. I mean, this is like in my late teens when I was in high school, I, was, I started going to conferences. And then when I went to college, same thing. But during the course of going to these events, I actually met Horst. And, um, we just like became instant friends, like my passions and his passions. And remember this is back in the day in the eighties when, you know, we were still considered kind of like on the fringe, popular culture. Yeah. So, you know, so 
we became friends. And then I opened, when I graduated college, I opened the very first um, concept salon with him mm -hmm. in New York City as an extension of IIN of the school. Mm -hmm. And so we connected food and beauty. And I used to teach at the Aveda Institute in New York. And he actually helped me get, you know, the Aveda salon going in our school. And so the, we, we just collaborated a lot back in the day, you know, before collaboration was like the, the thing. And just through that process, just like, again, just got, you know, built our friendship deeper and and I became very close with his wife as well. And, and, you know, started going up to Minneapolis and spending time with them. And then fast forward over the years, I was doing business with Target and, and Aveda and, and my company under the canopy launched the very first, my first textile company launched the very first like accessories for Aveda. You know, we did like the eye masks and the, you know, the hair top bag, uh, ties and the cosmetic bags and all that. So for, so there was a lot of like interconnection that was going on, but fast forward, I mean, at the end of the day, I just always loved and admired horse so much for his vision. I mean, he's so iconic in terms of, you know, what he believed in and his authenticity around it and watching him in his lab at his house. And he was like a crazy mad scientist creating these essential oil blends. And, you know, you talk about the scent. I mean, that's what he's known for. It's like, you know, uh, it's like a drug, right? And and I just, I you know, he taught me that, you know, through the lens of design, we can change the world, right? Like if you appeal to people at a visceral level, you know, aesthetically, you know, through the, the five basic senses, scent, you know, smell, you know, taste, touch, you know, in the world of, of course, with, you know, what I do with fashion, you know, that visual experience. And then you take them down the proverbial rabbit hole of the why and the what and the how and the when and the where, and the, you know, all the cool stories that, you know, he was so ahead of his time. So, you know, a few years um, before I wrote my book and I, you know, when we were riffing about it and, and I said, okay, well, obviously I want you to write the forward. And, and of course he said, yes. And, um, and then he passed away and after he wrote the forward. It was the last thing he wrote before he passed away. And, I, you know, I spoke at his funeral. I actually got married at his house. I was very close, very, very, very close with him. And so this book is really um, in so many ways for me. It's really, um, you know, I honor Horst more than anyone in, on this planet um, in writing this book, because this book really is about, you know, the power of creativity and design and across all different categories, right? Because um, we've designed everything that we see in the world. We've created it. And and so, you know, I, I dedicated the book to Horst and, um, you know, he's such a, a special place in my heart forever. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned that you were wired that way for business. Uh, and I, I'd love to know how that, um, became a focus in the eco space because mm -hmm. sometimes that penny drops, it drops at different times for people or you're yeah. born really connected to nature. How did that play out for you in the early days of running your own business? Yeah. So, um, well, that same girlfriend that gave me that first Aveda product, she also gave me a book called living in the light by Shakti Gawain and, um, Shakti also wrote books like creative visualization and, and it, it struck a chord in me because it really, at the end of the day, the premise was that, you know, there's more than what we see. And, and, and I always, I, I, you know, it's one of these, like, you know, 
old soul things. I don't know. I don't know how I, I always, it, it just, there was always a gut instinct to me in creating businesses. Like I was the kid with the lemonade stand. I had business cards by the time I was 11 years old. You know, it was just like, I'm, I'm wired as an entrepreneur. It's like many people, you know, anyone can pick up a paintbrush, right? But not everybody can translate that onto a canvas. And I would say the same thing for business. Like you can go to business school, but having that sort of wiring and all of those uh, attributes of a, being an entrepreneur, you know, tenacity, persistence, passion, you know, all these things that kind of are your, you know, you're like, you don't, optimism, you know, you don't, you don't take no for an answer. You just go do your thing and pivot and pivot, you know, all the things that are like inherent to who I am, you know, I always was like, but I want to leverage those traits to do good in the world, you know, to, to, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of something bigger than me. And so, you know, over the years, I mean, from the time I launched my first business, I, I never looked at business as business for the sake of business and making money. It was always as business as a force for change. And part of that has been because I was inspired by Horace and what he was doing. And I was like, it's not this or that it's this and that it's yes. And give people everything they want. Right. And that's the, that's the, you know, in business, that's profit, right? You have to make money to be sustainable, but you know, in food, it's taste in fashion, it's style and quality and in, you know, beauty products, it's scent and functionality. Right. And, and the, and is all the sustainability piece that, you know, that really for me as not, not only as someone, as a citizen on this planet, but also as a parent, you know, I believe like when we look through the lens of business, again, we have to do well by doing good, right? It's, I feel like a little kid in a candy store oftentimes as an entrepreneur, because I get to do what I love, make a living and change the world, right? Check, 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 sign me up. And you don't go backwards. Once you kind of subscribe to that mentality, it's hard to go beyond it. And what's happening now, especially after the pandemic, there are so many, you know, people in the business world that are like, wait. I'm I have great skills, but like, I don't want to do it for a company that is just poisoning and depleting and polluting and, you know, and like doing things that are hurting me, my family, my humanity. And, and they're looking to pivot and say like, where can I park my skill set and, and have everything value and values have, you know, something I believe in, right. Something that I can be a part of. And I always say, you know, um, you know, we've all heard, or many people have heard about the, the triple bottom line, right? People, planet, profit, but it's, it's really five P's. It's people, planet, profit, passion, and purpose. Those are the principles of, you know, not just good business, but of the eco-renaissance business chapter, right? Which is, that's really where it starts. Yeah. Brilliant. I couldn't agree more. And I think I've seen so many people do my courses and, uh, jump ship on you know big mega multinational brands because they're just mm -hmm. the values have changed once you know exactly you can't unknow and that's right. uh, and you need to realign absolutely that's right that's right um, and I think it's really interesting uh, that a lot of people's initial instinct is oh so I need to start an Instagram account and share eco tips but actually I, I often say <laughs> you were a marketing manager a director in a business that managed 10 brands you need to approach Patagonia Tom's or like an, a startup in the space that's really exciting and bring your mm -hmm. skills to grow something fabulous um, and fast because the world needs to change fast 
Uh, and, and it's not to poo poo everyone on Instagram. That's not what I'm saying, but, um, I, I think, um, sometimes our knee jerk is I need to exit the system. I believe, uh, we should actually stay in and make it better, um, as well. Yeah. And, and there's a place for both. Yeah. And Mm. it's all about, in my opinion, and I'm sure you would agree, it's about meeting people where they are. Yeah. Or meeting companies where they are, you know, it's not about judgment and attacking people for what they're not doing. It's really about, you know, help holding their hands and helping them go on this journey. Cause you know, we all need to, it's like all hands on deck now more than ever before. I mean, you're in Australia, I'm in the U S like, you know, it doesn't matter where we are in the world. We're all speaking the same language, right. Which is like ga- game on now, like human survival is at risk, right. This isn't even about protecting our environment. Because our environment will outlive humanity if we destroy ourselves, right? Like this is about, you know, understanding our relationship, our symbiotic relationship with our environment and how, you know, supporting our environment is really ultimately supporting ourselves, right? Because it's, it's you know, we depend on our environment. The, the you know, nature breathes out oxygen and we breathe in oxygen to survive. We breathe out carbon and nature breathes in carbon. It's, you know, it's very interconnected and we forget that. And that's the part about eco-renaissance that that I just want to make fun and sexy and cool and and user-friendly is taking people on this journey and helping them remember who we really are and understand we're a part of nature, right? And so that, that comes back to, I mean, there's a lot of studies that even show, like, even if you just watch a nature scene on your computer, it's going, it's going to do something for you right? Because there's this innate connectivity that we have that, you know, and, and we're born, we grow, we die just Mm. like nature. Yeah, exactly. We all become food for shrooms in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you have obviously got a very strong footing in fashion, but you name dropped IIN there. And I feel like we need to just quickly let people know that you were the co-founder of uh, IIN, which is the Institute um, for Integrative Nutrition, the largest health coaching school in the world. Um, Tell me how that came about. (laughs) So, um, well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I got, I sort of dove head first into the health and wellness movement in my, in my kind of teens. And then I was just cooking all the time with my girlfriend, the same one that gave me the book and gave me the Avena Clove shampoo. We used to cook together and make like kale and hijiki and like quinoa and things that like people were like, what, what is that? Um, but, but people were intrigued because, you know, I walked my talk, right? So I was doing it because I felt so great. And that obviously came through, right? In like my energy and my skin and my hair, like all of the ways that you manifest health when you when you integrate the energy of good food, right? Because to me, you know, and, and what we were teaching at the school always was, you know, the first thing that changes when you change your diet is your blood and your blood is your life support system. It feeds you. It, it is you, you you are what you eat, right? That's not just a cliche. It's the truth, right? It's the energy that you put in your body, like water for chocolate. Right. So, you know, so for me, it was just like living the life and people started asking me questions all the time. And I was like, I was also, believe it or not, I was working in investment banking, 
right? So I was like a finance business person, but I was like cooking for people who worked in my office. I would like bring lunch for everybody. And it was like all these crazy, weird, organic, you know, beans and grains and vegetables and sea vegetables and things that people were like, what is that? But they loved it. And I was like, wait, where can people go to learn about this stuff? And, and there wasn't anywhere. So I started the school with, um, I, start, I came up with the idea of the school and to take people, what we originally called it Gulliver's uh, Living and Learning Center, to take people on a journey to the land of health and self-realization and discovery. And I met Joshua at a conference and we just like shared ideas. He was living in Canada. I was living in Manhattan. And I was like, well, if I start this, you know, and, and he had a similar interest. I was like, would you join me and we'll do it together? And he said, get it going. And then, you know, I'll move to New York and, and let's do this. So that's what happened. We, it started out of my apartment. My sister-in-laws were all my first students. <laughs> it would like, I would have a class in my apartment and it would be like everyone I know. Um, and over time, it just like the room just got more and more crowded. And all of a sudden, my husband would come home from work and be like, who are all these people? There'd be like 50 people in my apartment. Um, and, and then we rented a space and, and it just started growing, growing, growing. And it, it just grew exponentially to the point where we then had to rent spaces. We got our own space and then we rented spaces and then it just kept growing, growing, growing. I sold to Joshua and exited because I had kids. And I needed, it was time for me to like move on, live in, live out of the city. But really I had an opportunity to connect the dots into fashion already by the time I sold to, to Joshua, because um, I had already connected food and beauty with Horst. And then I met um, some members of the Saudi Arabian royal family. It's kind of a funny story. Um, and, and they, because they became clients of mine at the school, the, um, in particular one princess who was trying to get pregnant and somebody told her maybe if you change your diet that will help because she had gone through in vitro a few times and nothing was working and she was like desperate and so she her assistant called me and was like help her please someone told her if she changes her diet and lifestyle it's like a last resort but a lot of people turn to health and wellness and an alternative as you know, a last resort thing, yeah. because whether it's mm. cancer or heart disease, trying to get pregnant, lose weight, you know, skin conditions, whatever mm. it is, right? Like when you're, when you have a degenerative or any health condition or any imbalance in your body, oftentimes when you look at the power of food as a tool, which is why, you know, the Hippocratic oath is let food be thy medicine, right? So it's that connection. And I started to consult with her. She ended up getting pregnant, which was really interesting. And I was shopping with her on Fifth Avenue and she was like, well, what about fashion? And I was a fashion consumer too. And I was like, well, if I make stuff, will you buy it? And she was like, of course. So I started making stuff and, and I coined the term eco fashion in 1995 because I saw this missing link in the wellness equation. And I started the first sustainable fashion and home brand called Under the Canopy. And um, it just started to take off because I was proving to people that you could give people what they want, what they love and seek in the way of style and quality and fit and color and comfort and hand, price, everything. And then, oh, by the way, you know, how can we make things more ethically, more sustainably, you know, with organic and regenerative materials and, and then ultimately through fair labor practices and then not using all the toxic chemicals that go into the system. I mean, people would be blown away if they knew how many toxic chemicals oh. were in the clothing they're putting on their bodies. Mm. Right. So like, it's not what just can what I, eat. Can, 
Can I ask, um, as you yeah. were doing your research, what were a couple that really horrified you? Formaldehyde, mm. heavy metals, acetones. I mean, like, yeah. you know, chlor- chlorine bleach is, is in cotton, regular cotton. You know, it's kind of like the dairy story. You think dairy milk is a natural because that's what we're told. But in at least in America, probably a little less so in your part of the world because you live. Oh, we have some which, amazing dairy farms here. That uh, are, like, like literally playing music to the cows. And, I yeah. know. I love that. <laughs> I've been to Australia. I've yeah. been to, you know, New Zealand. I've been mm. like. I mean, it's just like, it's a different world. Like our, in our world, it's like factory farming, you know, and cows are being inject, cows are being injected with hormones and antibiotics and steroids and horrible things. And then we're putting that in our bodies. Well, I would say the same thing about cotton, cotton all over the world. And a third of our world's textiles are made from cotton, but cotton is heavily chlorine bleached when it's, you know, harvested. And then it's, it died using all these chemicals I just mentioned oftentimes, not always, but, you know, and then it's like all the chemicals going into the system, even things like, you know, um, flame retardants that, you know, you hear about on kids clothing, but those are like some of the most toxic finishes in the world. (laughs) And we're putting them on our skin, which is the largest organ in our bodies. It's our primary organ for absorption. So we're not just what we eat, we're what we wear, we're what we put on our bodies too not just what we put in our bodies. Mm. And so in the eco-fashion space, did you find it hard to tick the fair labour and the uh, environmental um, uh, boxes as well as creating something profitable that was still at a price point people would buy as a pioneer? Like I'd imagine at the start of that without a huge amount of resources and tons of people in the marketplace offering various things in the supply chain. Was that tricky? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, until the mark, we really started to build the market. Um, you know, there's always like that, like sort of balancing act between price and like making sure you're doing things right. And to me, that was never an issue. Like it's about no compromise. Right. So I would always like do what's right, you know, and know that like, as I build, I'll be able to get better economies and be able to get prices back, you know, down. So I would cut back on my own margins to kind of take it for the team to get things going. Um, but recognizing, and, you know, even Yvonne Chouinard in his book, Let My People Go Surfing, you know, which he's the founder of Patagonia. Um, he says the same thing, which is like, you know, if you step back and you do the right thing at the end of the day, you're going to leap forward, right? Because the, the amount of loyalty you can build and trust and, you know, the authenticity and transparency were always fundamental to my life work. Whereas now it's like, those are hot marketing topics and, ter- and you know, terms, right? But like, that was just kind of like who, you know, who I was and what I wanted to do was like, do the right thing and believe in it. And, and I've like, never strayed from that. I've strayed in a lot of business tactical things, yeah. but I've never strayed from like my meta vision, you know, to make the norm, the alternative and the alternative, the norm. Yeah, love that. Um, I'm curious, obviously there's a huge movement to buy less, to op shop, to upcycle, and all of that is absolutely awesome. Uh, As a side note, I'm someone who is recovering from mold illness and uh, that's been a a horrendous um, yet enlightening journey unto itself over the last five years. Um, And I can't, but I can't even walk into a secondhand shop without like, everybody's moldy musty closets 
<laughs> um, uh, giving me a setback that would normally last me about three weeks. So, you know, I have, I guess, a sensitivity towards um, people who have to buy new uh, if they're going to buy something. Um, I'm curious to ask you, though, as an entrepreneur in the space uh, and a big picture thinker, do you think that we can tick the box of closing the loop and really starting to um, uh, produce and design what can go back to the earth on a scale that allows for the same amount of job creation and um, and business growth as is happening now. Um, can we do that and keep the planet intact? You know what? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't know if I'm yeah. right. But- no, yeah. I mean, well, it's not, it's, it's not about doing less harm now. It's about doing more good. And the mm. and business, as I said earlier, is such a powerful vehicle yeah. for change, right? So it's like, it's not about redemption. It's not about like, I'm going to destroy the planet for my business and then I'm going to be a philanthropist and I'm going to give yes, back, right? the corporate I mean, responsibility that, that, thing, yeah. It's about changing the way we see business. And mm. it's like inherent, it's building into the DNA of a business, you know, the five Ps that I spoke to mm. and- and understanding all of these spokes in the wheel of change. So, you know, you talked about chemical sensitivity. Well, one of the things that really inspired me when I started under the canopy in 1995 was, you know, like I was, you know, taking calls because we were a direct to consumer back in the day before, you know, the internet really. So it was like the equivalent of direct to consumer was was mail order catalogs, right, exactly. So, you know, I would like literally answer the phones, you know, pack the boxes, do everything when we started. And I used, it used to blow my mind listening to people's stories about, you know, you've got in America alone, I think there are 70 million people with, you know, chemical sensitivities, you know, a third of our population, you know, here has like asthma and allergies and skin conditions and all kinds of reactions to, you know, to chemicals. And yet people don't, stop and think about textiles, which we live in, we wear 24 seven, right? Like we sleep in textiles, we have them on our body all day long. So, you know, you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and our first basic need being food, but our next basic need really is shelter and clothing and, uh, and what protects us uh, on the outside of our bodies. And so when you start to think about all those chemicals that are inherent in the system, to me and why I, I pursued eco-fashion was because to me, it was almost like bigger than food, right? Because the, the waste, water, energy, social justice, chemical use, climate change, all those impacts that are coming out of the fashion industry make fashion one of the largest polluters in the world of air and water. And we can't discount this industry. I mean, you'll see statistics kind of range depending on what's included, but like up to 10% of the world's carbon footprint is coming out of the textile industry, right? Fashion textile industry. So, you know, we're sitting here now where climate change is like, it's like game on guys. Like we have to all hold hands and play a part of, you know, play our role. And fashion is a huge part of that. So the whole fashion industry globally, and I'm on the board of an organization called the Textile Exchange, and we have, you know, members all over the world, and everybody's coming together now and saying, you know, we're going to reduce our carbon carbon footprint by 45% by 2030. This is an industry-wide commitment, because we recognize, right, like, 
not only are we a huge part of the problem, but we can be a part of the solution. So it really does come back to, can we create businesses that are doing well by doing good, as I said earlier? Yes. And we have to be mindful, set strategies, do the right thing, you know, not look at it from a marketing standpoint. Like this is not a marketing proposition. This is about changing the way we create, which is why in my book, I talk about creation and art because it doesn't matter what modality art comes in, whether you're a painter and art, you know, poet, or you're a business person, mm, right. Or, yeah. you know, or you're a designer, you know, or you're a musician or, you know, you're it's, we all have an art. We all have a, something we're contributing right to this mm. planet. And so if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, now, in your book, one of the things that I really like that you include is a manifesto, an eco-renaissance manifesto. Um, I love these because for me, it's like the ultimate distillation of all the things in someone's head and experience about a topic onto a page as what you believe the most important calls to action really are. Um, is it something that evolved for you onto the page, the manifesto over time? <laughs> like, did you have to kind of audition thoughts as like, oh, no, that doesn't make it. It's not, not big enough. That's what I yeah. want to say. Like, how did you come up with yours? I mean, part of it really is because I've spent the past 30 years, you know, um, educating and inspiring people to like step into this world across categories, right? Food, beauty, fashion, you know, it, it, the manifesto was just like, close my eyes. What resonates in terms of what is the, what are the things I'm asking people? And I'm saying to people when I'm trying to help them understand that this is not some like, you know, like crunchy, like woo woo thing that I'm teaching them. This is very like practical, human, basic, like why wouldn't you want to know this? Like, to me, it's so obvious, right? Like, it's not why would you live this lifestyle? It's why wouldn't you live this lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. If you can have everything you want and be a part of changing the world, like, like, and be healthier because you're making better choices for yourself, your family and, and the world around you. Like, why would you push back on that? And, and the reason usually, honestly, the roadblocks are usually things like price or, compromising quality or what I want. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't smell good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't, you know, so if we can give people everything they want, then you shift that question. Right. Mm. So, so for me, you know, having a mantra is a reminder of like, what's at the core of this movement, this eco Renaissance movement, this rebirth of humanity, you know, that's, that's really being built on the awakening that we're all a part of an ecosystem. We're all in this together, you know, safety, trust, respect, you know, balance, kindness, mm. you know, gratitude. These are so fundamental to just like living a happy, you know, awake life. Mm. Yeah. Cultivate self-care was one that jumped out for me because I think a lot of modern women especially struggle with this one. What does self-care yeah. look like for you every day? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I would say I'm, I'm somewhat of a spa junkie. That's my visit to the doctor. So I, I you know, I start my day every day. I will um, steam. Um, I actually, you know, will go into a jacuzzi or, or a 
pool or the ocean, you know, depending on where I am, I like water. You know, mm. I really, I like to that like, brings you back to um, body. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And when I'm steaming, I'm meditating. Like that's mm-hmm. my time that like, don't talk to me. Don't, I don't want to like, you know, I just want to be in my own world. And I, and then I love like body work and I love to walk and get outside in nature. You know, um, I'm not really a huge winter person. So mm-hmm. in the winter, like, <laughs> so New York is the perfect choice then. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, but I try, I travel a lot. And mm. when I travel, I think what keeps me sane again is, you know, is making sure like I do find the hotel spa, you know, mm. or this, and, and I always look like, is there a steam room? Is there, because I, I start my day that way. I have a, a green juice or, you know, nice, healthy kickstart to my day. Um, I take that time in the morning to just rejuvenate and just ground myself. And then I hit the ground running. Mm. And you have kids, don't you? I have five. I have, wow. two, I have two from my first marriage. Uh-huh. So I have two that are my natural children. And I have three step coats. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Do they all live with you? No. Um, now they're all, their ages 18 to 26. Ah, got so it. they're all yeah. kind of like, you know, um, but you know, um, my husband, you know, and I have kind of a very somewhat unconventional life. I should say we have, you know, a house in Pennsylvania and an apartment in New York. So we kind of, and we're both entrepreneurs. So we mm. kind of like wherever we end up and like, we'll go, you know, a week or two without seeing each other. And it's just how we roll. And then we have a house in Costa Rica and we're going tomorrow. So I'm literally in countdown mode right now. Um, but, uh, but that's where I really go. And like, we're outside the entire time. I mean, we're, we're, we like only sleep in our beds and then I'm in the ocean. I'm, you know, or I'm on, you know, I'm walking in nature. We're hiking in the rainforest We're you know, I mean, Costa Rica is such a, a, mecca of like the ultimate 12 different ecosystems i believe mm-hmm. um 100 renewable energy um just like mm. incredible so it is it's incredible. like my ha- it is my happy place yeah i love it um something you talked about in your book which i really loved and i think transcends business as well it you know you could apply this to community efforts uh you know if you're trying to change up the canteen you could apply it to everything is to build win-win relationships uh, and I, I think that's something a lot of um, people in the eco space could use support understanding on a deeper level, only because I have witnessed and I have experienced myself where the stories we tell ourselves, or you know, could be uh, money is bad or politicians are bad or, you know, like we try not to be um, war-minded as eco-minded people and yet because we were raised in systems where there are these warlike conversations and you have to pick a side and you have to exit or um or be a part of a tribe I think sometimes uh we forget just how important um actually seeing through toughness and difficult moments and misunderstandings and different ways of seeing things uh, and moving into dialogues that allow us to create win-win situations, I think is one of the skills that is actually going to allow us to really turbocharge all of the efforts people are making right now to create a better world, whether they're doing that through business, through um, you know, building permaculture gardens and everything in between. Uh, how did you see the lesson in that yourself uh, as uh, an entrepreneur and what would you advise people who are maybe like, ah, the council is just not letting us have our community vegetable garden. Like 
how would you then coach certain people to start to create those win-win relationships uh, in their own lives with their own efforts? I mean, I think there's a couple of things that are just popping in my head as you're talking. One is mm. um, it's, it's everything is about perspective, right? So you can choose to see all the negative stuff or you can choose to see the positive. And it's like the law of attraction. You know, it, it, if you put out positive energy and you tap into positive energy, you know, that's what you're going to manifest. And, and that doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly. In fact, I, you know, the journey of a thousand miles, right. Begins mm. with one step. Well, a great quote from Lao Tzu, right. Which is, you know, it's, it's about moving, you know, three steps forward, one step back, like recognizing as long as you continue to go and grow and, and the one thing that I would say that I've learned as an entrepreneur 30 years in, in the making and being in business is that no, what we might perceive as challenges or like, you know, walls really are our greatest opportunities. That's when we learn and grow the most, right? Because it forces you to stop, reset, think repro like just kind of go okay this isn't working and it's like who moved my cheese don't just keep going there and hitting your you know the no cheese or the wall mm. pivot the mm. ultimate lesson in life is to surrender and to let go and to pivot and remember because we're made of energy we inherently just want to flow right and we can't flow when we hit walls our energy gets blocked so if you try to force a square peg in a round hole you're just going to get so frustrated and you're never going to get where you want to go. So if you just drop in and I always joke that I've been like a walking cliche, like <laughs> what doesn't kill, what doesn't kill you makes you smarter and stronger. One door closes, another one opens. But really what that means is like when you hit that place that you think is like, Oh no, cause we all do. That's part of the process. That's part of the ride. Right. Instead of getting paralyzed or stuck, right. Like never get stuck in the muck pivot change direction, go this way, go over, go under, go behind, you know, whatever you need to do, but change course. And, and that's the, that's like not only professionally, but personally, the, I think if I could give one piece like lesson that I've learned is just don't get stuck and don't get like, don't get all worked up over hitting something that like is an obstacle because that's part of the process. That's part of the fun now. Like I actually like, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I hit a challenge. I'm going to like work through it and I'm going to get smarter, stronger, and better. Mm, I love that advice. I think sometimes we we're so uh, focused on the thing that's not working that we forget that a pivot or a change of heart or a different connection through is actually what we need to create that moving energy again and, and move forward with what we want to achieve. And, yeah. And also the win-win part of it is if you go into relationships, right. Which I'm like, you know, as somebody who just has built businesses, but also just, you know, being out there in the world, like it's all about relationships, right. You know, we're all in this together. We're human, but we're like social creatures and we want to, we want to hold hands. We don't want to be alone. That's why jail is punishment, right. When you're by yourself. So, you know, I think the idea of a win-win relationship is it's about we, not me. Right. It's about like, how can, and, and you mentioned this at the beginning when in the intro, which is serving others is serving ourselves, right? It's about like trading energy. And, and, and I approach every single relationship that way. I try to, I really do, which is like making sure that, you know, you have that lens of like, you know, what's in it for both of us? How can we both, how can this be mutually rewarding? Because that's how it's going to be sustainable. If you don't approach it from that place, someone's always going to feel deprived or, 
like they're giving up something or they're not, it's not fair. And, and it's just, it's eventually going to break. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So before we wrap up the conversation, I just wanted to ask you about the five pillars of the eco Renaissance. Because uh, I think these are beautiful and you've been talking about them the whole time we've been talking anyway. It's been woven in. But they're five C's, creativity, connection, consciousness, community and collaboration. Um, when you articulate those five pillars, is this for you a vision on the personal and professional level of the way the world needs to move forward? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, those five pillars for me were really the the thread that connected all of the chapters and all of the sectors of popular culture and connect agriculture to popular culture and connect food to fiber and connect us all and connect us to nature and connects everything, right? Like when I really think about like, what is what are those like forces, those like principles, those like you know, what, what are, what's fundamental to the eco renaissance across, no matter what you think about, those are the five things that came up for me. Right. So creativity, because we are all creators. And again, going back to what I said at the beginning, where the power of design is so inherent and we created the reality around us, what we see, let's create a new reality, right? Let's co actually let's co-create a new reality, which can lead me actually to another C, which is collaboration because one plus one equals 11 we're stronger together than we are apart exponentially right so we have to remember the power of collaboration and then connection as i just spoke to the symbiotic relationship we have with our environment that's one level of connection we're also all connected we're interconnected look at what the pandemic showed us Mm. holy moly the whole Mm. world i mean if you could have told us three years ago that the entire world would just shut down yeah I mean, like, what would that take? Right. Like, but it was like so profound because like the gift that the pandemic gave us was the awareness that we're all connected. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we're all in this together. We all share this planet. We all share, we all share, you know, common air and water, you know, it's like, right. We're all in this together. And then, you know, the, the whole idea of consciousness you know, it's like Albert Einstein said, we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that created them, right? So creating that new reality is about climbing the ladder of consciousness so that our perspective gets bigger and wider and we see things very differently because we see them from a different, a higher place, right? Mm. A higher level of consciousness, so right? Do you feel like maybe then the uh, the... What is the energy I feel? I feel like sometimes you're just watching two parents fight before they're supposed to actually just break up and and part part ways when you're on social media at the moment. There's such a dissonance. There's like a real fight culture. Um, I'm righter than you are and, uh, you know, I'm uncovering this and you're um, wrong and you're a sheep and you're an anti-vaxxer. Like there's just so many names being thrown around. Do you feel like this might energetically be like a last holding on to an old consciousness before we yeah, actually sure. realise everything's related? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we're, we're living in a modern day Star Wars, mm. right? You've got the light, you've yeah. got the dark and everybody's like at odds and fighting about everything 
And, and it's up to those who we call the light workers. And I call them in my book, the Illuminartists. These are those who are shining their light, leveraging their own personal platforms across food and art and wellness and fashion and beauty and business to elevate consciousness. Right. And so it really is about we all have to turn on the light because the, the more we all turn on the light, the brighter it will get and the more positive it will get. And, you know, I'm currently the, the founder of a, of a company called Eco Fashion Corp. And we're a greenhouse of brands. And our common DNA is about, you know, bringing the seed, which is the light, the life and the light that the farmers, the 570 million farmers across the world are planting seeds, right? To bring life to us, right? And so it's about planting seeds of consciousness in people and helping them recognize. And that's why I wrote the book across all these different lifestyle chapters is because I don't know where that seed is going to get planted, but I know that once it's planted, we need to cultivate it because it will inevitably grow. And then, you know, and the reason I started moving from one sector to another, from food to beauty, to fashion, business, art, all these, you know, areas is, is because people go, well, what else? What's next? What more? Once it kind of resonates for them. And our greenhouse of brands at Eco Fashion Corp has, you know, MetaWare, which is like taking people beyond, you know, and companies beyond. We have a, we have a B2B manufacturing platform. We have two brands on QVC which is a TV shopping platform, one, one called Seed to Style and one called Farm to Home. And then we have a brand called Yes And, which was really inspired by Eco Renaissance in the book, the name of the brand, because I kick off the opening introduction, the chapter, talking about the philosophy of Yes And, that we can have everything we want and so much more. You know, living consciously is not about deprivation. It's not about sacrifice. It's about value add. It's about getting more. And that's then it's like, you know, value values, right? Mm. That's the name of the game. Mm. And I think in that, yes, and is beautiful. I love that, by the way. Um, And I think it's about getting more in relation to what that feels like for each individual, right? Because it's going to look so different for everybody. Absolutely. It's, you know, this is a journey that there's no like playbook that's exact, you know, and I, and I, again, in my book, I really try to you know, meet people where they are, make it user-friendly, give resources and tips. And then my Illuminartists, I'll give their tips. You know, it's just like, this is fun. This is about community, which is really the fifth C, right? Which is about, you know, whether it's local, it's regional, it's global. I mean, you're across the world for me right now, as far as, as I think any, any other country. And yet we're speaking the same language, right? We're connected and we're in the same community. And I think we're all, we have to remind ourselves who we really are. Because at the core, you know, when I talk about source, because I'm in the fashion business and, and food and beauty, and it starts at the source, right? It's about sourcing farm to table, farm to home, you know, it's, it's sourcing. And, and that's what people want to know now. They want transparency. Where did it come from? How's it being made? Who's making it, right? But it's very metaphoric for our own source that, that where the light lives, right? The love that's waking up right now, right? It's that, it's that reminder of that's where all of our answers are at the source of who we are. Oh, I love it, Marcy. I think you've done a beautiful job with this book. Uh, we can get it pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah. It's mm. uh, Although we're going into another print because um, I was just told that Amazon USA is sold out. I don't know about Amazon um, in Australia, 
Um, and I know it's in UK and India and many, many other places, but, you know, QVC and Target and, and Barnes and & Noble, and it sells online. Um, Eco Renaissance, co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world. Mm. Because again, this is co-creation. One plus one equals 11. And I'll just wrap by saying, you know, Horst's birthday um, was 11-11. And I got married at his house on 11-11-11. Oh, and- wow. And, and it's because, you know, that powerful, that alignment, that balance, that, you know, that, that reminds us that we're, you know, we're on the right path. And, um, and that's the power of 11, right? In addition to the fact, the reminder that, you know, we are in this together as individuals coming together to make the whole, the collective. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Alex, and have a wonderful day. You too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's Stuart S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27, and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.